Good morning, church family. Can you hear me okay? It's tough being deaf. I can't, I can hear the feedback, but I can't hear my own voice, and then it just kind of, I wonder if I'm out of sync. It's not like one of those old Japanese cartoons or something. Anyway, it is a privilege to be here. Uh, I'm very grateful that, that we have this opportunity as elders and pastors to get together, and, and I just love this time because the message that Dan gave last week, I, I build upon today, and Mike will do the same thing probably tomorrow or next week, and, and of course, Steve will be the the home run hitter and bring us home for Christmas. So I'm really looking forward to all of that. But um, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking to myself, you know, Christmas. What do I remember for Christmas? You know, what, what does Christmas mean to me? Why is Christmas so special? And uh, I started thinking about traditions. I grew up in a home that I knew Jesus Christ was a baby, and I knew that he was God, and I knew that, that Jesus Christ... Uh, it was born sometime in December, December 25th, right? I didn't know the other side of that story. I didn't understand as, uh, as a child uh, what that meant other than the fact that I got some presents and there was candy canes and there was lights and decorations. And so in my family, tradition was, one of my favorite traditions is uh, some of you guys may have Christmas trees, some of you guys may do something else, maybe wreaths or, or things like that, but we did a big Christmas tree. And... Some of you guys know that I moved around quite a bit as a child, uh, 39 times in 12 years, so uh, quite a bit, three different states. But the Christmas tree always hung in December, no matter where we lived. We, we might have moved like December 22nd, but that tree went up immediately, right? And I knew that the world was right because that Christmas tree was up. Like, like my world was solid because Christmas was still coming. Uh, and one of the things that my mom did that I loved about her was she would hang candy canes on the Christmas tree after it was all decorated. She just put gobs of them on there, you know. And uh, she'd tell me, okay, every day you can have one. Every day you can pick a candy cane. That was my most favorite tradition. Uh, anybody ever eaten too many candy canes at one sitting? So I stuck with one because you know that, yeah, too much peppermint makes a bellyache. Uh, anyway, so I just want you guys to start thinking about what are some traditions that you guys uh, like what? What you know? What foods do you like? Some guys like ham. Who, who likes ham in here for for Christmas? Some people like turkey. Who likes turkey for Christmas? I love turkey for Christmas, right? Turkey sandwiches are the bomb on the twenty sixth. Yeah. Tamales. I forgot about those. Yeah, Christmas tamales. What's more Christmas than tamales? <laughs> you know, decorating stockings. Does everybody put stockings up? One of my favorite traditions that I married into, Jennifer loved, I, we never did this as a, when I was a kid, but Christmas stockings. All of our kids have stockings, I had stockings, and then when I first married my bride, four o'clock in the morning, we were up putting stockings in, and I thought, I'll get to sleep now, right? No, we spent the rest of that day and the next day going from family to family. I didn't get sleep for 48 hours. Christmas was a living nightmare. <laughs> Almost like SEAL training, I'm here to tell you. But I love stockings. All our kids, we have all our stocking stuff ready to go. It's in a box. So, oh, don't tell the kids. Kids, I hope you're not watching. Right? Anyway, traditions. And I want to talk a little bit about that. What makes Christmas Christmas, right? Um, children make Christmas Christmas too, don't they? It's a special time. Now, when I was a child, it was all about presents. Now, of course, I'm not a child. It's obvious. And, but... I love watching my kids open their presents. And now that they're old and they're not as excited anymore, my grandkids, whoa. 
There, you guys, you older guys didn't tell me the joy of watching a, a seven-year-old tear or five-year-old tear into her present. It was awesome, right? It's like fists of fury, you know? <laughs> and so Christmas is always about children, right? And of course, we celebrate the best child ever, baby Jesus being born. And, and so what would Christmas be without him? But there's some of us in earshot, maybe online, maybe right here, that Christmas wasn't about Jesus necessarily. He was there. You know, it's hard to say Merry Christmas without saying, well, who, what's this Christ thing? Um, but as I grew, presents became less important. And of course, now baby Jesus is way more important to me. He's the best tradition ever, right? And if you really think about it, him not only is the baby, but growing into the man. And he had to be a man because only men can die. And then he died for us. And of course, he was buried. We all know that. And of course, the most important part is he is alive today. He is resurrected in, in a form, in a flesh and blood form. Maybe not flesh, but in a form. And see, I could stop right now. I've just given you the Christmas message and the gospel. I've done my job. Pastor Steve, there you go, right? But I'm going to... Now they're going to devote me to like 10th time. But I got more. It's okay. So I'm going to give you guys a good old-fashioned Christmas story. Uh, there's a lot of scripture here, so you can, you can hang along if you want. You can follow along in your Bible, uh, but I'm going to go everywhere. So I always do. I just like scripture. Uh, that's what they pay me for. But our Christmas story begins in a sand dune in the middle of the desert a long, long time ago on a cold desert night. If you've never been in the desert in a cold desert night, it's cold, right? Uh, where's my buddy Mike? Mike Bell. He's been in the desert a couple times. Isaac is a child of promise. Isaac. Why are we going? That's Christmas, right? Christmas. Isaac. So everybody go to Genesis 15, verse 3 through 5 if you want to go. If not, just listen. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. This man... Uh, and he let's see, whoop, whoop, whoop. and he brought him outside and said, "Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're if you're able to number them." Then he said to him, "So shall your offspring be." So the son of Isaac, or the son was Isaac, and he begot Jacob, who was named Israel, who begot, and you get the point, right? And so, why do we start a Christmas message there? Well, I think it's pretty important to start. Then you'll feel bear with me for a little bit. Um, but if we think about Isaac for a second, let's look to his mom, Sarah. She was barren, and she was quite a bit old in her 90s when she gave birth to Isaac, right? That in itself is a miracle. Ladies, would you like to give birth in your 90s? <laughs> I got an amen, no, from, from Donna. She's like, no, 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 no. I'll take your word for it, Donna, right? Um, I looked up a few things in this verse here. Do you guys know that in the visible sky, both northern and southern hemisphere, there are only 9,096 stars visible? Right? So wherever you're at, you only see about 4,500 stars. So that's it. That's all that Isaac had to do was, was have 4,500 relatives. That's a, that's a low number. Yeah? There are currently 20.7 million people of Jewish descent all across the globe today. So I think God's promise of... The number of the stars is well within the ballpark there, right? God is awesome, amen? 
So God said, this child would be special, bring forth a nation. The nation is still on earth. Again, 20.7 million human, humans in that family. Next stop on our Christmas story, I want to go to another baby. Here we go to the River Nile. We're going to go to Moses. All right, let's go to Moses here. Moses, Exodus 2, chapter 2, verse 3 through 10. When she, could hide no, when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in, in, in and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know that would, what would be done. Verse 5. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse for the Hebrew women, from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And the Pharaoh's daughter said, said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's own mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. So what's interesting about this time here, Moses' had to hide, Moses's mother had to hide Moses because uh, all the male, male children, Hebrew children, were being murdered. The Pharaoh said any child that was going to be a male has to be thrown into the river, killed. Right? Uh, think about that for a second. One people group. Now, there are about 600,000 Hebrews at this point. How many babies do you think were executed during this period? Terrible, right? Absolute atrocity. It, 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 it boggles the mind, okay? But here's how awesome our God is. Moses was saved, spared, and not only was he spared, but his own mother got to nurse him. His mother still got to take care of him and see him grow into a, a small boy and probably grow into the man that, that he became, right? Moses went on to free his people and write down the first five books of the Bible and give God's law to the people. Of course, God had a pretty huge hand in all of that, right? And so you're thinking, okay, that's not Christmas, though, Pastor John. We really need to define this whole Christmas thing. So our next child in the Christmas story is not a baby when we first see him, but a young teen. My teens in the back will love this story, right? He's doing a task his brothers didn't want to do, which is typical. He's doing the shepherding, right? Of course, we're talking about David. So everybody go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 through 13. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Verse 12, And he sent and brought him in. Now he was a ruddy and had, let's see, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. So this is, da this is David here. He's a handsome man, handsome young man. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for he, this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So David was a handsome young man in his early teens. He became the second king of Israel, uh, arguably one of the best. Before that, he, had, he was credited with the, the old KO of Goliath. He's the guy that slew, slew Goliath, right? Cut his head off after he smacked him in the head with a stone. That smacks of Christmas. I know it does, right? It is said uh, that David had God's heart. He was the heart of God. Jesus traces his lineage straight to him, and several, of course, several psalms are credited to, to David, right? A lot of psalms are credited to David. So that's David. Very Christmassy, 
Moving on to our next baby in Christmas story is John the Baptist, a little bit closer to Christmas, right? We're not quite there yet, but we're getting there, right? We enter this story with John's father, Zechariah, is serving the temple. His mom's at home. They are both very old, and of course, Elizabeth is barren, right? John, we're going to go to Luke 1, verse 11 through 13. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I just need to stop right there. Can you guys imagine? Every time an angel appears in the Bible, they always say, Don't be afraid. Right? After you get done wetting your pants, you can stop being afraid. Right? An angel is boof. Right? Of course, our angels here that we saw today and last week don't look so ferocious, but they're pretty cool. Thank you, guys. You did a good job on that. All right. Verse 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Verse 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, this, is, this baby's not even born yet. But when this baby is born, it's going to be a miracle because Zechariah and Elizabeth are well past age, and Elizabeth has been barren up to this point, right? So six months later, Elizabeth is pregnant, and Mary, after she has conceived Jesus, came come for a visit. And verse 41 says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed are the fruit of your womb. So let's look at all these parts and figure out where Christmas is, shall we? Right? See, Isaac was promised to bring many people. His parents were old and his mother was barren. Moses was born at a time when he should have been killed outright as a baby. God used him to lead his people out of captivity and wrote down the law. Samuel, oh, I cut Samuel out. Sorry, you guys, I didn't put him out of this one. Anyway. David, born of a normal house, the youngest of brothers, used, used by God to lead his nations to a period of safety and security known as one of the greatest kings of Israel. John, born from elderly parents, mom is barren, used by God to bring the nation back to God and to herald the Messiah. See, God can do tough things, can he? Matter of fact, God only does it, does it the hard way. He does it the most impossible way. This morning in Sunday school, we were talking about uh, how many prophecies are the life, uh, uh, birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ. Do you guys realize that there's over 300 prophecies in the Bible that pertain to how Jesus is going to be born, live, and die and, and, of course, his, what, what his salvation brings. 300. The, the number of them coming true by happenstance is astronomical. Like, they don't make that number. Like, seriously, that, that number does not exist, right? Um, like, eight of them is, is 10 to the negative, or to 10 to the positive 17. It, that number, I don't know what that number is, but some, some mathematician is going, oh, no. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But my point is, it's incredible. That, that just these five births here of these babies lumps into there, amazing that they lived, amazing that it took the perfect timing, amazing that all of it fell together, and then there was this baby that we're going to celebrate his birthday in just a couple weeks. That is amazing. 
It has to be. And you can't say, well, yeah, I guess. If, I guess you can, but you'd. So anyway, that's part one. God uses children and impossible circumstances to do his will, right? In Dan's message last week, one of the many verses that we had was Luke 1, 37, uh, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then we'll, we'll get to that in just a second here. Okay. This is the second part, God. Final, final part, I'm winding down, I promise, right? But I want to finish up today's Christmas message with a scripture that actually has a little to do with Christmas. Actually, it has very little to do with Christmas. Uh, in this scripture, we find a 12-year-old, Jesus, in Jerusalem, because his earthly parents take him to take him there every year for Passover. And, of course, his birthday is not even close to Passover. And, and you yeah, know, sorry, Christmas message, right? So let's go to Luke chapter 2, verse 45 to 52. 45. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem for him, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Verse 48. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching you, uh, for you in great distress. Verse 49. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he had spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. I want to focus on 45 and 47 for a second. So kids and parents, think about this for a second, right? I want us to forget that Jesus is the Savior and the King of the world for just a moment. He's the one that everything was made through. Let's just, let's just put that aside for a second. And 45 says, and when they did not find him, they returned, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Can you imagine three days' journey in the desert? Mom says, hey, where's Jesus? And he's not there. Moms, what would you do at this point? What kind of freak out would that be? Dads, <laughs> would you be like, oh, I forgot the kid. <laughs> oh, bad parent, right? I could, I, as, as I was writing this, I was thinking, oh, dude, <laughs> Joseph, how could you forget the kid, right? If this was your child and you were missing him for the last three days and you were searching frantically, you would be losing your mind just a bit. Now, how many of you would say, oh, there you are, Jesus, you're in the temple, just moving, just checking out, moving on, we'll see you later, right? Now, what would you say? What would you say to your son that there he is just talking, hanging out with a bunch of old religious guys, right? Uh, yeah. How would you react to your 12-year-old being gone, now finding him? Now, of course, moms would be like, oh, I'm so happy. That's not how you'd react. We all know that, right? That humanness would be boiling up in there. And verse 48 sums it up. Verse 48 sums it up. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Or treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. There's that mama voice, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there would be other things to say, right? Uh, would anybody react a little bit more spicy? <laughs> Don't sin. Nobody sin. All right. How would you expect your 12-year-old to answer at this point? A little sheepish, 
little humble, yeah? Let's examine what the little 12-year-old Jesus said to Mama. Ready? Verse 49. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? <laughs> Mrs. Shumway, your 12-year-old says that to you after missing him for three days. Would he be alive the next sentence? <laughs> it won't be pretty. Yeah. Probably not the answer we would expect from that child at that point, right? But here's where I want to remind us. Let's bring the fact back in who Jesus is, okay? He is God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the one that holds the universe together. And if we're not careful, we're going to put our own humanness into the situation. We're going to read wrong into the situation. See, Jesus wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't an unruly child. Remember, he never sinned. So he didn't do what our 12-year-olds or what this 12-year-old did when he was 12. Thank the Lord, right? Here comes the Christmas part, you guys. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 to 33, and then we're going to go to 36 and 37. Remember what Mary knew. Now, she's wrapped up in her humanness. She, she's frantic. She's missing her child. So, so all of her past is kind of washed out the back there. But remember what she knows now. Keep that in, your, in the forefront of your mind. Verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for, your, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of, the father David, of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 36, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. See, this is what Mary should know. She knows this. This happened to her. Also, Mary is a pretty good Jew. She had her, her son circumcised at the proper time. They go to the temple every, every year. I'm sure they go to synagogue every Saturday, right? Just like they're supposed to. So what else does she know? She knows the story of Jacob. Of Isaac, rather. She knows the story of Moses. She knows the story of, of, of David, her relative. She knows these things. She's a good Jewish. Jewess. She knows these things. But for a moment, she forgot. Why? Because her child was missing. Her baby boy was missing. Her 12-year-old. I mean, it's we know 12-year-olds, you guys. Right? I, I was one. And let me tell you, you don't want this child in a temple, anywhere in a temple with old dudes, right? But see, that's the thing. What we need to understand is that, is that Mary, for a moment, showed her humanness, lost what she knew about Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I'm in, I have to be in my father's house? What he was saying to her is, Mom, I got to be here. This is who I am. You know who I am. I expect you to understand who I am. I am the Son of the Most High. I am the only son of God. Why were you looking for me? He wasn't being flippant, you guys. He was being truthful. He's like, I'm here. This was where I should be, right? Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 50 continues the story, and we hear, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. 
See, Mary didn't dismiss this information. She filed it away. It started to fall. It started to fade from her. But the scripture says she treasured it up. She put it all together. She was just she was trying to figure it out. What does this really mean? Is this really God? Is this really the Son of the Most High? Is this the one that's going to save the world? Can you imagine, moms? Can you imagine that? Really, your your child is going to be the savior of the world. Your child is the holder of the universe, the creator of everything. Wow, that would be a little hard to figure out, wouldn't it? That would be a little hard to, to adjudicate, okay? Now, thanks to Dan, I've got my next verse, my next saying here, and the rest of the story. Thank you, Dan, I appreciate that, right? This point today, our Christmas message is simple, you guys. We have traditions in Christmas. We all do. We have different traditions. We all have different things that we do, Right? Are we letting our circumstances, and I'm talking to believers right now, are we letting the fact that we have to buy Christmas presents for little Jimmy and little Susie and little Billy and all that stuff, are we, are we, are we out on Black Friday beating up those old women getting that last doll? Or, <laughs> that was priceless. Knut's like, what? Don't beat up old ladies. Are we doing, are we letting Christmas get away from us? Are we putting our, not, not that these traditions are bad. They're great. Let me, let me be perfectly honest with you. I'm going to eat too much turkey on the 25th of December. I promise you. JD, make turkey. I'll be there, right? But are we, are we consume, consuming ourselves with that stuff? Are we pushing Jesus out? Are we letting our humanness get in the way of what we know to be the truth? Is Jesus Christ our Savior? Is he the creator of the universe? Is he, did he come in the form of a baby, and did he die on a cross? And here's the most important thing. Is he coming back? Right? Because he is. And, and he's not going to be a lamb. He's going to be the Lion of Judah. Right? It's going to be a different story when he comes back. Are we as Christians prepared for that? Are we remembering that? Jesus is a ba- cute little baby on the December 25th, but don't forget who he really is. Don't let our circumstances, don't let our situations get in front of the fact that He is God. He is fully human, and He is fully God, and He is all Savior, right? Now, shift gears. I always do this because I think it's very important. If you're listening to me, whether you're here or whether you're on that camera, and you do not accept Jesus as your Savior, you have enough information with everything I said today. And if you've been to this church... With Pastor Steve, you have enough information, even if you've only been here three other times or one other time, to know that God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He died for your sins. And if you accept that and make him Lord of your life, Scripture says, if he is your Lord of your life, you believe in his heart what I just told you, you will not be put to shame. You will be saved is what the Scripture says, Romans 10.9. You will be saved. It's a promise. If you haven't accepted that, why not? What are you waiting for? Jennifer and I are reading the Left Behind series right now uh, together. You guys ever read that? Right? I'm screaming, going, dude, just accept Christ. Don't miss the boat. Because he's coming back. Now, if you don't believe in pre-rapture, pre-trib, that's okay. He's coming back anyway, sometime. We all know that. Right? Don't let this message be one more message that you go, I'll think about it tomorrow. I'll think about the salvation thing. No, stop right now. What if there's no tomorrow? 
I don't know, what if it snows 12 inches and we can't go nowhere and you slip on ice and you fall off your dune on, on, the, on the roof? It happened to me three times last night. Thank goodness there's a snow pile underneath it. But what if? We, we're not promised next hour. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, stop what you're doing and think about it. There are some men, I want all the men here who have been a, 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 who've been a follower of Christ for more than 10 minutes to raise your hand. There are men here that you can talk to, and they want to talk to you. If you have questions, beat them up with your questions. They're tough, especially Canoe. He's made of some pretty stout stuff, right? Don't let this end. So I have invited one of our own 12-year-olds to get on up here, and he's got a special message for you guys. And this is how we're going to close our service. In case you're wondering, well, what is the gospel? How do we say the gospel? How do we put it into words? Mr. Emmett Shumway has that gospel message. You ready, sir? Go for it. Romans 10, Romans 3.10. For it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8. And God showed his love for us in that while we we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.9 and 10, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For as with the heart that one believes and is justified so with the mouth that one confesses and is saved Romans 10:13 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved that 12 year old has that message in his heart now and if you've never heard that or you're going what was that that was the gospel and if you haven't ever said that, get with Emmett, have him teach you, and go spread the gospel. And if you've just heard this for the first time, listen to what that boy said, because that, those words save. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Spirit, for being our God. Thank you, Lord, Father God, for sending your, your son um, as a baby, and we're going to celebrate that. Lord, I just thank you that he came not only as a baby, but grew to be a man. And then he died for us, Lord, and then you raised him by the power of your spirit. And he is now with you. And we just thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us, all that you continue to do for us, all the blessings that we have through you and from you, Lord, and more yet to come. We love you, and we cherish you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.